It's the Shop Stewards Corner here on Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. And tonight we take a look at uh, the role of trade unions and the working lives of young people. And uh, we uh, speak to about South Africa's organized labor movement, regarded as one of the most powerful and dominant on the continent. And uh, Pagamile Shubi, national spokesperson of the NUMSA, is my guest. Laratum Tunz is going to be joining us in the next few minutes or so from the Young Nurses in Daba Trade Union. Also going to be joined by Lebukhang Mulaisi. Uh, Kosatu's National Labour Market Policy Coordinator. But uh, Paramil and Lebohang join me on the line. Good evening, uh, ladies, and welcome. Good evening, and good evening to your listeners, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Good evening, Nirait. Thank you for having me on your show. Nirait. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, can hear, I can hear you now. Oh, you now. perfect. Okay. Uh, Paramila, let me start off with you. Um, and, and I guess, you know, we, we often hear this a lot. And uh, what I want us to touch on this evening is really, you know, the role of uh, organization, not just trade unions, but organization in the working lives of young people. I've, I've worked in many places and, and I can tell you right now, very few of them had any organized voice. It might be a committee, it might be a union itself, but very little by way of organized voice. What have you seen in many of the workplaces that the NUMSA organizes in? Well, um, it's a very diverse grouping, I would say, and I think it, it, it depends. I think also if you look at the South African uh, example, um, the m- most previous statistics that I recall is that the penetration of unions in the country is about 24%, about 24 22%. Uh, of South Africans are, are are organized in some kind of trade union or another. So you always have to be thinking about that context when you're having a discussion about trade unions. So basically speaking, what we're trying to say is that the South African landscape is one where uh, organized labor or trade unions really have an opportunity to penetrate further. Um, but be that as it may, um, since we, since 2013, when we then took a decision to expand our scope, we have found that the way things are looking, certainly when you look at um, whether young people are organized or not or are represented in that space, I think it depends on the sector in which you are operating in. Uh, we found, for mm. example, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, in the aviation, infrastructure, transportation, and related spaces, there's a lot of a lot more active young people than, for example, mm. when you look at the membership in the traditional um, 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 sectors where we used to organize in the past was traditionally just engineering and steel. So I, it, 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 I think it depends on the sector, um, but again, mm. it, it, we must also look at overall where we are in terms of organized labor as a country. Mm, mm, mm. Let me bring you in there because I think you know, a lot of people have, have raised this contradiction that many young people you'll find on the front lines of service delivery protests, fees must fall movement. Uh, but if you look at the state of private sector union density, for instance, so how many trade unions organize in certain sectors in the private sector, it's very low in South Africa, relative to where it was maybe at the end of the 80s. 
Uh, and it suggests that a lot of us as young people want democracy. 10 minutes it is after 8 p.m. And uh, yeah, uh, once again, I guess, the you know, uh, the plant at ESCOM and, and the workers have uh, let us down this evening. Uh, but uh, Lebuhang, I was asking the question of, uh, you know, uh, whether or not we want democracy in our organizations and at a community level, but probably might not want it as young people in the workplace. You know, Ayabonga, there's a number of complexities um, that are part of, you know, South Africa's social fabric that inform mm. the participation of young people at the workplace. Let's be frank, young people don't enjoy a lot of participation in the workplace. 60% of, mm. of youth unemployment that we're dealing with. So even if we're talking about attracting working young people, we're talking about young people who mm. are, there's very minimal numbers of them in the workplace. And if they are in the workplace, they enjoy, well, not enjoy is not the right word, but they have the working conditions that don't allow them to participate. So, so their work contracts are very precarious. Um, it's characterized as short-time, casual labor. Mm. So, so these are not exactly the type of people that would have a favorable environment in order to participate actively within a trade union. Their, their, their contracts are precarious, really, if we had to take these things into mm. um, consideration. So, 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 so should their labor status change or should how trade unions organize change? I definitely think the way that trade unions organize needs to change. And I, I think, you know, this is something that we really need to, to, to grapple with. The workplace has changed. Sectors are beginning to change. The way in which contracts, you know, are, are negotiated and organized within the workplace have begun to change. So if we're really going to want to attract young people, we need to deal with what are young people grappling with at the workplace. They are, mm. you know, young people are doing internships after internships after internships. So mm. how do you begin to organize a person like that? Um, a young person, e even when they do get into an organization, you know, there, there's artificial barriers um, to their participation within a trade union. Mm. How do we address those so that a young worker can be able to, to participate within um, an organization? And I mean, the way in which, the, and it's not that the trade unions are not cognizant of this. Um, the way in which we have, you know, we're striving to deal with the issue of labor brokers. A lot of, a lot of young people are under labor brokering of some sort. Um, so dealing with mm. that and dealing with the labor legislation is a way in which you attract young people to participate. So sure, we kind of sure. need to have a better understanding of what are the issues that are plaguing young people to participate in the workplace. And then you'll begin to have an insight as to how you then organize them within their workplace. But if we don't deal with their issues, mm. how do we then deal with their participation within um, the trade union movement? Yeah. Paramile, you used to work in a newsroom uh, at some stage in your life. And you would know many people who work in the space we work in are independent contractors. Um, how has NUMSA dealt with that atypical and precarious and very vulnerable employment status of many young workers? It's a very challenging space to organize in, um, especially if you're talking about blue collar versus white collar. Um, and I think I, I really want to agree with your your guest uh, from Kasatu when she articulates, you know, the, the context in which we have to organize workers. You're organizing young people mm against very difficult conditions.
But this is not unique to South Africa. Even in Europe, um, they are grappling with the same things. Our our federation, Industrial, which is based in Germany, has workshops about this because it's a it's a challenge even for European trade unionists. Um, the fact that the the majority of the youth market is based in this space where precarious work is what is being offered to them, and therefore there's that challenge of organizing. But having said that, Ayabong, I think it's also important that we recognize that whilst it might be difficult or different to organize young people in that space um, according to what we know based on previous uh, experience, it doesn't mean that those young people are any less hungry to be active in a trade union movement. Um, if you look at, for example, in South Africa and the Fees Must Fall movement and how um, passionate young people in this country and how passionately they fought for education, um, what you get a sense of, not just from those movements, but other you know, uh, generalized service delivery protests that happen across this country, young people are not shy to get involved in advocating for change. So, in other mm. words, the trade union is, in fact, the right environment for a young worker because that um, energy and that desire for change can be harnessed within that framework um, in order to transform the workplace. The challenges that we have now is that as unions, we must, number one, adjust ourselves to this new workplace Number two, we must start to organize and attract and, uh, young people consciously uh, in the way that we, 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 we approach them. Um, and so um, one of the things that we've done, for example, on this issue of precarious work that you raised earlier was this big battle that we launched at Concord, at the Constitutional Court, on labor brokers and, 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 and certifying or confirming the rights of temporary employees. Mm. Those are some yeah, of the things you have to eh? do to get behind campaigns that affect young people in that space. Mm, mm. And, and, and Lebukhang, I mean, just, just on that, because I guess a lot of your work focuses on the labor market, trying to analyze it on behalf of the workers who mandate you. Um, some of the trends that you're seeing is greater precarity, greater vulnerability. But as Tepagamila was saying, it's concentrated in certain sectors. Uh, definitely. Um, it's concentrated within particular um, sectors. I mean, I want to agree with with, with the points that Pagamile raises in 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 the in the introduction session. That you know, the there's a there's a there's a sector dynamic um, that plagues the trade union movement and that plagues um, participation within the trade union. Um, so what you'll find is that in the public sector there's 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 there's, there's greater participation. Um, you'll see within you know. They're part of the public sector, but particularly with teachers. I mean, they've been able to enjoy great union density mm. within that particular sector. So, so the dynamic changes, and you've already sort of kind of like pointed us in the direction that you know, private sector participation um, within the trade union movement it's it, it, it's 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 diminishing, um, and this is again because of the higher levels of precarity that have um, begun to 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 creep up, mm. but. Again, ourselves as the trade union needs to look for active ways to begin to deal with those issues. And again, you know, because mm. I mean, it really raises that important um, um, judgment um, with regards to, to labor brokers, because 
that mm. in its own is a way in which you break down the barriers to the participation um, of young people within um, a trade union. Definitely, mm. there's a hunger to participate, and we're seeing it a lot. You know, the 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 various um, the various initiatives that young people are rallying behind. The biggest one being the Fees Must Fall movement. We clearly see, mm. you know, active participation of young people seeking social justice. Um, it's just a case of how do we socialize them better to understand that within the workplace, you know, your platform for seeking social justice lies in the crux of of, of the trade union movement. Mm. Um, and, and there's ways in which I think there's time for, for, for us to really look at the way in which, you know, we organize. Trade unions are, are set in their ways. I think that's that's the biggest weakness that we have, and 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 this is the experience that we have working within a trade union. We, we they're quite set in their ways, so there needs to be a sort of paradigm shift um, to look at ways to creatively um, look into the issues you know that that take with it. And it's really not that difficult, um, Ayabong. I look at simple things that we've been waging for years: equal pay for work of equal value. Those are things that seriously plague young workers particularly, where they do the same mm. job, but they're undervalued for nothing mm. else other than the fact that they're young. So mm. if we are to seriously decide or female. to deal with those issues, and female, mm. or, and a, mm. or being a person mm. of color, so if we are mm. seriously interested in dealing with these long-standing issues, they're, they're really long-standing issues. I mean, when I, think about, when I think about the Section 189 and how it works, you know, first one in... Last one out, you know, mm-hmm. things like that that, that, that are sore points for young people. If we are to really deliver on those issues, that's the way we break it. And that's how we get into, you know, making the, the trade union attractive um, for young people. Mm. It's the Shop Stewards Corner here on the Mighty Metro here on Metro FM Talk. And every Monday we bring you the latest in the lives of working people. And this evening is no different. Uh, Paramele Shubi, national spokesperson of the NUMSA, is my guest. Also, Lebuhang uh, Molaisi, national labor market policy coordinator at Kwasatu, is my guest. And Lorato uh, Mtunzi was supposed to join us from the Young Nurses in Daba Trade Union, but uh, we continue, no doubt, with our conversation this evening. And uh, Paramele, let me bring you in here. How, how much of the challenges, especially, least of all in the private sector, and I'm thinking here retail, many other sectors, can be placed at the door, as many have done, of workers themselves. Some argue we atomized, we think only, and that I can't speak to a colleague even during a lunch break to, I guess, speak about the workplace issue I have and to organize around it. Well, you know, I think it's 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 one of these things that, um, where education and awareness plays a huge role. Um, a mm. lot of people, you were talking earlier about um, white-collar employees. Um, and, for example, in that space, a lot of employees in that space often mistakenly think that because they have, you know, they've been educated, they perhaps have degrees, and they have experience in the corporate sector, that they are empowered or more empowered say, than a mine worker. Mm. Um, And they often get a very rude awakening, especially if they're black and female and working in South African corporate, when they realize that that's not actually often how the world works. And and they will maybe clash with management. And it's usually at that point 
when suddenly the realization hit that the value of being a member of whether it's a trade union or even an, or an employee forum. I find even at the time when I used to work in corporate long before I, I, I joined NUMSA, there really is a very, very strong culture in corporate to undermine trade unionism or organizing. It's, it's almost looked down on uh, like, you know, uh, those us who are educated should not have to resort to such. Almost. That's almost attitude. Mm. And I think that kind of attitude is very misleading because there is uh, uh, so much that gets done when workers come together and unite around mm. issues. Um, and often it is because of that unity that you are able to effect exactly the kind of change that you were hoping to achieve on your own as an individual. Mm. Very easy for a company to brutalize you when you're on your own, but much, much harder when you've got comrades or colleagues who've come together under an umbrella. And I think we've seen this happening time and time again, even in organizations like Amazon. Amazon, as you know, is notorious, yes. notorious union basher. Um, and yet we've even seen in, in that very hostile environment um, emergence of uh, workers' formations, progressive workers' formations that are getting mm. messages out there about and, and forcing management to, to, to take on more progressive policies. And really, at the end sure, of the day, sure. it is up to employees themselves. If you want to change a situation, mm. you, it's, uh, you must get involved. As they say, um, don't moan, organize. Mm, mm. Let me bring you in there because I think Pagamila makes a very important point. Um, many young workers are facing challenges of exploitation, challenges in the workplace of all manner of types. Um, and seemingly one of the other developments that one sees is a growing relevance of socialism, um, you know, as, as I guess a theoretical perspective. 27 minutes it is before uh, or after 8 p.m. And uh, even if there's, uh, you know, load shedding, but we continue nonetheless. And Lebukhang, uh, I was asking a question before we went to the break, uh, which is, you know, with, uh, I guess, the kind of Amazon situation that we see and the union bashing there, which certainly plays itself out in many other places. The growing relevance among young people of this idea of socialism. Let, let's talk about that, I guess, within the context of the labor movement, because I guess we can't talk about labor and the lives of working people without maybe touching on that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, maybe let me start with this. Um, young workers are, are in a precarious position um, because, you know, the, the case is, you know, with high levels of, of, of unemployment, um, high levels of poverty and high levels of inequality. Um, young people are really desperate. Mm. So you go to an employer with literally a begging bowl. So that mm. turns mm. particularly young people into, you know, an avenue for cheap labor. They're exploited. Um, they're amongst the most exploited um, in the workplace. So for them, I, you know, and, and, and this COVID pandemic has showed us something quite amazing, um, especially for us as trade unionists. When you look at the number of job losses um, mm -hmm. and you look at, you know, the, 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 the characterization of the particular sectors um, and the particular workplaces, um, um, that had, you know, high numbers of job losses. What, what we can see is that in, in, in workplaces with significant trade union participation, those mm. sectors, those workers 
were slightly saved um, from, from, from high levels of unemployment. Not to say that there, there were no unemployment or there were no job losses in those sectors, but what you could see was a consolidation of those workers who were part of a trade union, and there was some sort of job saving that happened there. Because of the points that that, that Pagami Lefuba has already made, you know, don't moan, organize. We are better and mm. we are stronger when we are together. So, and the difficulty here is, you know, when you are dealing with an intolerant workplace mm. that is union busting, that does not want any level of fair labor practice taking place, because when they see young people, they see an avenue for cheap labor. How do mm. we then come into those workplaces to help young people realize that, you know, in between yourself and an employer, if you place a trade union, your interests can be protected. Um, mm. And it's much mm. better when you stand together. You know, um, the sad thing is that in our society, and this is, this is happening everywhere, we are, we are forced to look inward and to be individualistic. Mm. Um, and that leaves us to a lot of vulnerability. That leads us to a yes. great amount of, and that's when you know the the employer succeeds in the ability to divide and union bust. Mm. However, if we collectively mm. organize, you know, I've, I've even had to say to, to 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 a number of people that you may, if you feel that the trade union is is, is archaic or whatever the case is, um, you're misinformed. But if you feel that way, join, have an association of some sort. Mm. Um, but or like a workplace committee, you know, or a workplace committee. Be collective mm. because mm. it's very difficult to get to workers if they come together and they're united. Mm. You know, I just want to touch on mm. the point that, you know, Pagami should be made, which are, which are very important. We have this misconception as young people, and, 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 and I don't know where, where it comes from, but it, it's an age-old thing where, you know, the idea of joining a union is something that only blue-collar workers do. Um, if you are enjoying a certain level of, of, of a professional job, all of a sudden you are excluded um, from, from, from the trade union. And the truth is corporate South Africa can be quite ruthless. It, it can mm. be. Um, it, 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 you know, it, I mean, when I look at the number of cases that we deal with where, you know, people who are competent, who are, who are within this, this corporate environment, get absolutely exploited. And, and I don't know, you know, and maybe the, the avenue of awareness and education needs to play a role. And, and maybe that's the homework that we must take away um, from this conversation. But clearly we need to do a lot. And I, with COSATU, I mean, we've, we've formed a young workers union, which is doing wonderful. But again, in, in certain sectors, in the private mm. sector, it seems to be very difficult, you know, to make the penetration. But there's clearly work that needs to be done to get rid of the stereotypes. I've received great empowerment mm. from being a part of the trade union, first as an official within the trade union, but being a shop steward myself mm. within the organization. I've received, mm. you know, I've knowledge then than what I could have had all on my own if I wasn't mm. within this particular uh, mm. work sector. So I think more needs to be done by us, and it's really on us. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Paramila, just on, on, on this issue of socialism, um, I mean, I think Lebohang speaks about it, I guess, in the context of the exploitation that continues in the workplace, and I think that's a very important point. Uh, but just for yourselves, I mean, as the Nomsa, your, your sense, I mean, I certainly see it, a lot of young people... Um, beginning, I guess, to, to try and find ideas that can explain the situation that they find in their workplaces. Uh, and often trade unions are always the place where a lot of those ideas also reside as well. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, and you make a very good point about the rise or, of socialism as a concept that we are now beginning to accept as hopefully being an alternative to the madness of, 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 of capitalism and, and what we've been normalized to accept. Because, you see, it is ultimately, uh, and this is why you see the urgency in young people in grassroots movements, in Fees Must Fall, um, in Black Lives Matter, because mm. it's young people who are right there at the core face of the worst of the capitalist experience whether it's in mm. tertiary institutions that they are being denied access to, or it's because you're a black female and you're being exploited because you're black and female, or because you're a black man in America and, you know, you're therefore a suspect and should be gunned down, you know. Um, people are starting to recognize that we have been fed a lot of capitalist abnormalities uh, as part of the... This, 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 this idea to normalize the abnormal and that ultimately our liberation, our genuine freedom as black people, as young people, as black women will come when we completely uproot the system and replace mm. it with a more humane system, a system based on caring for society where everyone benefits, which is what socialism is about and, and sure. hence the, 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 the craving for social justice. But I also mm. want to just, um, if I may, sorry, Ayabonga, but I, sure, I, I really want yeah, to touch on what Lebo Hang also spoke about, where she spoke about the opportunities that trade unions provide. There's a, so much that trade unions provide in the way of empowering officials and members in a far much more meaningful way, I believe, than any corporate in this country in terms of what they like to brag about in their CSI. Um, I think what Lebo Hang says is absolutely true. The kind of training that an ordinary worker gets when they decide to be a shop steward and then they, they get mm. trained in, in, in that training, they get exposure in negotiating on behalf of their colleagues, they get exposure in engaging managers at boardroom. Where do you get that type of experience? Which university is going to give you that experience? But yeah, trade unions yeah. give ordinary blue-collar workers who who have to semi-education, that kind of experience. They give them experience mm. to go and travel overseas to train with other high-level engineers in other trade unions. Um, you know, so really, it's a very, very progressive space. It's a space mm. of genuine empowerment. That's been my experience. And mm. certainly, when I was a journalist, what drew me to the unions was, as a journalist, you know, sitting there for two years at a radio station, working on a contract, you know, and yet here was um, a mine workers union that had successfully negotiated terms and conditions for its members. And I was sitting on a contract in, as a journalist, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm supposed to be more empowered, and yet here Jeez. I am being so exploited. And I think these are some of the deep questions that um, workers in the media and themselves have to ask because there has mm. been a lot of misinformation about the role of unions and, and how they empower people, um, especially if you look at, for example, media workers and the level of exploitation. Mm. Right now, there's, there's, there's not, there isn't a single bargaining council for media workers, and yet journalists are supposed <laughs> to be the most powerful people if you consider the kind of work that they do. 
So really, mm. we need to have a rethink about our values um, and about this power that we think we have if we're not organized mm. in our workplaces. Pagamile and Lebohan, we're going to take a brief break now, but uh, they are fascinating insights and uh, uh, you know, certainly on that last point. 22 minutes it is before 9pm. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. Lebohang Mulaisi, National Labour Market Policy Coordinator at Labour Federation Kosatu, is my guest alongside Pagamile Shubi, National Spokesperson at NUMSA. And Lebohang, I mean, Pagamile was raising, I guess, uh, you know, a lot of things, opportunities, similar to what you had raised as well opportunities and uh, you know the diversity of learning that one can get in the workplace uh, if they do take up the responsibility of organizing their fellow workers but i would think that certainly there's also other issues i mean um, the overhang of patriarchy uh, in the labor federation structures um, and even i guess for all its progressivity those remain challenges in particular this issue of chauvinism you know i the fact that you've got two women on your show today, speaking on these issues. Yes, to speak about trade unions. <laughs> you know, it shows you, you know, the, the, the movements that are happening within the trade union. I don't want to lie. Mm. Like any other organization, there are elements of patriarchy. And, you know, given the history, you know, of the trade union movement, where it came from, there are elements of that, you know, within the trade unions. But I think let's also give credit to where credit is due. I mean, here you have mm. a national spokesperson, the face of NUMSA, being um, a, a woman in her own right, you know, doing the work of being the mouthpiece of such a, a, a big uh, trade union movement. Um, the fact that you've got, you know, my, my, myself here speaking to you on these issues shows that we're taking a, the, the moves in the right direction, you know. Kosatu electing its first woman president mm. and in its various provincial structure, now bringing in provincial secretaries, you know, um, mm. to be to, to, to lead the various provinces of Kosatu. It shows that, you know, we're mm. making inroads to deal with the issues of patriarchy. It's not that everything is all right. It's not that everything is OK, but the strides are being made. So like mm. every other organization, you know, we're making moves in the right direction. But we have to acknowledge okay. the role that trade unions play. And I think this is one of the things that is the greatest shame. We don't tell the histories of the history of the trade union mm. movement well enough. We don't record the, the history of yeah. We don't record well, the history the of women in those movements. We don't record those victories well enough. Mm. Um, that is yeah. why young people will come into an organization and not see the relevance um, of a trade union. The fact that we've got maternity leave, it's not because employers like us. Those are mm. hard-won victories <laughs> of the trade union movement. Sick paid leave, mm. compensation for injuries on duty, occupational Ooh, health. Five-day week. The right mm. to refuse dangerous work within the mines. We're now mm. fighting for it to be mm. a part of the Occupational Health and Safety Act. These things are not happening because employers are sitting in their big boardrooms that have air condition and they like their employees. Mm. They're happening because mm. workers are standing up and saying we need these things. And these are hard-won victories of workers in the workplace. And we're not, we're yeah, not telling yeah. these things, we're not telling these, sure. these, these victories well enough. That's why, you know, young people can come into an organization and, and, and not, say the re not understand the relevance of a trade union um, because we have not mm. been able to 
either document our story or we have not been able to tell it well enough. And again, I, I put mm. this on us because we are within the trade union movement. We need to begin to have mm. that explicit conversation, you know, with young people that if you want things to change yeah. within a trade union, you can't leave it in the hands of an employer. An employer is a capitalist. Yeah. They are here to maximize mm. their revenue. And if they're going to exploit you until the last you know, ounce of your energy, they are going to do that. Your only, you, you know, your only sanctitude or your only arbiter will be the trade union because the trade union has been successful and the trade union has this particular mm. track record. And I think we don't do that. We don't do that well enough. We don't do it in such a way that, you know, it, it's able to make the type of inroads and to deliver the message, you know, to young people well enough that, you know, we send young people into the workplace. I mean, they're, they're they're from their various, you know, past institutions, whether it be through tertiary, whether it be um, through high school, and and we don't we don't get to them early enough for them to realize that, yes, the organization, the culture is like this, and if you want things to change, these are the mm. mechanisms that you need to follow, and your best bet sure. most of the time is organizing together um, with the trade union because you can do more. I mean, mm. when I look at what the trade union has achieved thus far. We can we can take this we can take this even further, and we can mm-hmm. only do this um, when we are present in the workplace. You know, it's it's the workers that give the trade union movement legs within the workplace. We can't do it on the mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. They have to be active sure. and they have to participate on the inside. Yeah, Paramila. Wow, my very articulate sister took the words right out of the, <laughs> out of my mouth when she said. That it ultimately it is the trade union movement that is making inroads, um, and it's, this is the space where progress is being made. You see us, you hear mm. us, Ayabonga. How many times have I been on your show? We are very vocal. We are very visible. Mm. We are changing the society, whether they like it or not. And certainly for us as as Numsa, our goal is is precisely for the African working class to experience genuine equality, the very, very equality that mm. they fought and died for. And we will go all the way with them in achieving that. On the gender questions, Pagamile. On the gender question, it's one of those situations where we can't get away from the fact that within our organizations, there is a lot of patriarchy. Um, there is a mm. lot of uh, sexism still. And um, this is a challenge that as trade unions we must contend with and we must defeat. It, patriarchy mm. is a disgusting, disgraceful animal which uh, creates suffering for women unnecessarily. Mm. And this is why it is so important that particularly in trade union movements, Women must be active, women must be vocal, women must be uh, leading and participating because um, these changes that uh, Lebo Hang has outlined, um, a maternity leave, paternity leave, um, uh, equal work for equal pay, which we're still fighting for, mm. all of these things are things that affect women the most. We are the majority in this country and it's time that the majority... Um, should experience equality and freedom. Mm. And that's what, that's what mm. we should be fighting for. Yeah, yeah. Paramila, before I come back to Lebo Hang, I, I want us to, to briefly just talk about uh, the reorganization of the workplace, uh, and in particular in response to digital advances. 
uh, and your views, I mean, just as a, as a trade union movement, we spoke about atypical work, but I think there's a particularity around this atypical work. An app, you know, all of us use many of these apps, the ride-hailing apps. As a consumer, I'm able to determine in many ways, you know, the ratings I give and effectively shift the conditions of work of many working people, which might change the system in meaningful ways. How have your organizations responded to this? It's a very um, difficult and different environment that we find ourselves in. The 4IR that we keep talking about is something that mm. we kind of, I think, in some ways we were not prepared for. Um, we've been speaking about it for a long time, um, but we've yet to see meaningful changes, certainly in terms of government policy, that will enable and cushion workers as we enter this, this phase. Um, and beyond 4IR, I think there's also been the impact of, of COVID-19 itself on the workplace and how the workplace operates. Because a lot of workplaces are now um, uh, encouraging working from home. And that has also created a new dimension and a new challenge for us as trade unions. Because not only do we have to prepare our members for 4IR, we must now also try and organize workers who are working from home. When the workplace is at home, how do you organize labor mm. in that type of setup? Mm. So these are some of, these are all um, challenges that we have to address. Certainly on the issue of 4IR, our position as NUMSA has been that um, educating and, and, and skills um, training is crucial in order to create and prepare a workforce that can adjust first and foremost. But secondly, it's important that even as we adopt new technologies, those technologies must always be geared to improve in, uh, our society. So there must be the, the principles of just transition, which apply when it comes to transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy, must also apply in the world of work as we transition to 4IR. If workers are going to be displaced by the thousands because a particular sector has now digitized, um, then you, you must be progressive as a government and come up with alternatives that don't result in um, deepening uh, poverty, unemployment, and inequality, for example. So uh, for us, those are very, very important principles uh, to, to prepare our society for this future that's coming. Uh, yeah. Paramila... I mean, just a brief question on my end, and I guess it also has to do with how we frame the decent work agenda, how we frame our labor laws. Um, and a lot of those were framed for industrial society. We're probably in a bit of a different society now. Um, and many people who would be workers by the balance of power are seen as independent contractors and all of that. How do we deal with that? And I guess that's a question for both you and Lebohang as well. That is definitely that precarious space that we're talking about, where there's been a lot of hype uh, around this sort of gig economy um, that everybody is talking about. Um, there's even, I've seen lots of articles recently about, you know, sort of encouraging side hustle. Everybody must have a side hustle. You know, I, I don't know about other people, but I'm too exhausted to have a side hustle. And, and I suspect that is the mentality of most people. Most people are drastically over, uh, uh, overworked and underpaid. And this, the, the, the gig economy just deepens 
that cycle because what you have now are, um, you know, like your Uber drivers, for example, who up until this recent mm. court case were defined as independent contractors so that Uber mm. has no legal obligation to them in terms of paying whatever statutory payments that they have to pay. So these are some of the things that we have to fight against. Um, these technologies must not render society worse off mm. because then it means that mm. technology has failed. Um, mm. So at the end of the day, it is our role as trade unions to deepen the understanding and the consciousness of, of our members and of society in general so that we can be involved in these uh, policy decisions that are made that eventually mm. have this, these long-term effects on the way that we live. Yeah, a very interesting point you make there about side hustles. I mean, uh, someone made a very fascinating uh, point the other day, uh, saying, you know, it's so interesting that everybody's talking about a side hustle, and all of us uncritically accept it, including myself, um, at a time when pay gaps are becoming a lot worse, mm -hmm. um, not just from a racial perspective, but even a gender perspective as well. Lebukhang, just your view on um, this view that, you know, you can join the sharing economy, platform economy, uh, you can do all manner of other things and the implications it has for the hard-won rights of working people. You know, it, it starts with the, 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 the realization that, you know, at the heart of the gig economy or gig economy workers, there are workers. Whether they're working in the gig economy, whether they are mm. in the formal sector, whether they're in an office, whatever the case is, um, a gig economy worker is a worker at the end of the day. So what we need to start doing is to start to level the playing field. Let mm. our labor legislation start to address workers and workers in entirety. Let's not have this over-reliance uh, and over-fixation with only formal sector employees because mm. that's generally who the labor law is speaking mm. to. It mm. does not speak to anybody outside of that. We need to get to a point where when the law makes reference to an employee that also includes an employee in the gig economy because that person is a mm. worker at the end of the day. Um, you know, and the British um, Supreme Court ruling, uh, you know, that, that, that you've been talking about with the Uber drivers it is a step in the right direction because if, if we don't do that, that will erode the hard-won rights of workers because we'll, we'll, we'll have a case where, you know, only these workers rights become protected and these ones are left mm. to their own device and that's where the erosion happens so we can't unify workers if workers are divided between formal sector informal formal atypical mm. gig economy formal workers we need to have workers in its entirety mm. so when mm. we say you know uh, how do we get income guarantee and we make use of the uif to do that the uif act when it sure. defines a worker must take into consideration a gig economy worker um, so mm, let's let's mm. let's destroy these artificial barriers. Let's let's get rid of those and let's unify sure. workers so that all workers are mm. protected and mm. all rights of workers are taken into consideration. Because if we only protect formal sector employees, mm. what we do at the end of the day is we erode, and that erosion at some point also affects formal sector workers. Mm. So we need to, at some point, get rid of these these, these barriers. And and that's why, as mm. society, we've been proposing a number of labor law legislations. And at the forefront sure, of sure. that is, forget about this, this, let's unify this 
term worker, let's unify this term employee in the labor legislation to take into consideration the different types of workers because we don't want these artificial barriers and we want workers' rights to be protected uniformly because if this group is not protected, it's also a problem for the ones that seem to enjoy some level um, of, of, of protection. So even if you do have a side hustle, your side hustle is one that allows you to have some sort of protection um, from, from, from exploitation or, or, or unfair, unfair labor um, practices. So I mm. think that's, 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 the, that's the first part. And I mean, we've started um, as COSATU to start to table these issues to say, you know, there, there needs to be some sort of balancing of the scales here so that we also take into consideration sure. gig economy workers. Just one last point, Ayabonga, that mm. we always want to raise about, you know, the, the, the fourth sure. industrial revolution. So the High Commission report um, that that was tabled, um, they talk about, you know, placing humans at the center mm. um, of, of, of the fourth industrial revolution, mm. that it has to be a human-driven and it has to be a human-led and it has to be a human-participatory process mm. and it must build human capabilities. So when we don't do that, we're not really having a fourth industrial revolution. Sure. We're having something else, sure. but it's not a fourth industrial revolution. So mm. at, in our activism, in our pushing for, 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 for workers, in our whichever way we organize, ours is to make sure that mm. human capability is prioritized and humans are at the center of any transition. Sure for it to be considered a just transition. Because mm. if we are going to get rid of human beings and replace them with machinery, mm. who is going to buy the goods that you are producing mm. at the end of the day? Mm. Human beings need to make yeah. this economy run. Mm. The multiplier effect doesn't work without human beings purchasing goods and services. Exactly. So human exactly. beings have to Thank you very much for those remarks. Paramire, let me give you the last word this evening. And I think Lebohang speaks about using legislation. I mean, you guys were involved in Section 198. Um, and, and I'm quite interested, I mean, in the case of people who work in people's homes, domestic workers, who were included onto COIDA by way of a constitutional court decision, but it seems that has not been given effect to. And I guess that's a lesson. It's a lesson that, you know, winning the court victory doesn't necessarily mean that that's where the struggle ends. No, certainly it doesn't. And, you know, I really want to uh, appreciate my sister, Comrade Lebohang Mulaisi of Kosatu, for her very, very, um, very articulate way of, of presenting our position collectively as unions with respect mm. to how the just transition as a whole concept and for IR needs to be viewed with the human being at, at its center. Um, you make a good point, though, Aya, about the labor, legis labor law legislation. Um, we won that landmark court case, which was supposed mm. to bring dignity to workers, especially those who are temporary employees. However, unfortunately, because there is no political will in this country um, at the highest level to protect precarious workers against exploitation by labor brokers, there will always be problems and loopholes with the system. Even uh, the mm -hmm. example that you used and other examples uh, have come to the fore. Uh, for example, the fact that companies just simply, instead of using the word labor broker, they simply rebranded 
uh, that service as a service provider, and that's how they slip under the radar of the law. So um, that tells you already that so much more has to happen in order for us to achieve that just society that we want in this country. And for us as a union, for NUMSA, that pathway is a socialist pathway. There is no other way to achieve the kind of genuine freedom and equality that our society deserves today. Sure. Ladies, I really appreciate uh, you coming, uh, the pair of you, this evening. Lebukhang Molaisi from Kosatu and Paramile Shubi from the NUMSA. Uh, that uh, we can continue to organize ourselves. Many of us are the children of trade unionists and many of us are active in the unions. Um, and I think it's, it's a real pleasure to hear young people this evening speaking to us and uh, really continuing to say that uh, democracy in the workplace continues to require organization. Um, and I think that's the big lesson. And I certainly hope, Lebukhang uh, and Paramila, that uh, just below the tweet from today's show, you can uh, share some details about uh, workers who work in the sectors you organize in uh, and beyond who might want to join an organization of working people. How do they go about that? But uh, thank you very much for coming through this evening. And I guess from us, uh, we are workers and uh, we're the children of workers, handlers of machines, drillers of rock, merchants in life, restoration and death. And uh, we hear this evening, the sense of the economy.